0: Welcome to today's episode of the Purdue ASME, American Society of Mechanical Engineers podcast, which aims to provide an outlet for not only Purdue students, but all students, learners, and aspiring professionals around the world to learn from experienced professionals in the field of engineering and beyond. I'm your co-host, Agatha Theroun, and joining me today is is my fellow co-host, Liam Coffin. And I'll have Liam introduce our guest today.
1: Joining us on today's episode is Tom Costabile, Tom graduated from Manhattan Manhattan College with a B.S. in Mechanical Engineering and also holds an MBA from Long Island University. Tom has a rich history of leading high quality teams and companies and is currently the executive director and national CEO of ASME. Tom, we are super excited to have you on for today's episode and just wanted to extend a thank you for joining us today.
2: Well, Liam, my thanks to you and Aggie for doing this. You know, any time that I get a chance to talk to uh, students or really anybody about engineering and engineering education uh, is a great day for me. So I appreciate that. And uh, again, I wish both you guys success with your careers. Uh, I will tell you that uh, my first time at the Purdue campus, uh, I was a freshman. Uh, actually, no, I was a sophomore with, at Manhattan College in the early 70s, and we were out at, at Purdue. Great school, uh, great tradition, and I'm pleased for both of you guys to be part of that. So, looking forward to to, uh, to chatting about this. Uh, Yeah, same here. Thanks for uh, joining
0: us. Um, So, just kind of getting started, being like the CEO of ASME, what do you think you like most about your job?
2: Well, that's a good question. You know, what I like most about my job is dealing with uh, early career engineers and students. And then, <clears throat> and that's the most fun part. It's exciting, um, you know. When you when I can excite a, a bunch of uh, guys and gals about the engineering education, I feel like I've done my my job. And then when you look at ASME and the breadth of uh, and depth of the organization across uh, you know our almost hundred thousand members that we have and the volunteers that we have, <clears throat> ASME is as good as it is because of its volunteers. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times more. And it's also one that I encourage all of the uh, the engineering students that might listen to this, and even the early career engineers that listen to this. It's a great way to start uh, your. It's a great way to start your education. It's a great way to start uh, your professional career. Um, the other part that I like about uh, my particular job is that I get to meet a whole bunch of neat people every day, and always talk about mechanical engineering. Uh, by way of comparison, yesterday I was. Uh, visiting with a group from uh, Hendrix uh, Racing, uh, Hendrix Motorsports. Uh, We've had a a young lady there, uh, Alba Colon, who was showing us around. Mechanical engineer, uh, truly an innovator in her time. Uh, 20 years with uh, General Motors Racing and now with uh, uh, Hendrix Motorsport Racing. It was a great day. And all we talked about was mechanical engineering and the efficiency of, of what they do there. And then the fun of it and the glamour of it was watching and actually seeing the race cars. But not only one race car, they had four uh, of every, every car that they put in a race. And the, the teamwork, the efficiency, the cleanliness, uh, it was what engineers aspired to be. It was a great, great day.
1: Yeah, so one of the things we uh, preach on this podcast and talk about is all the different opportunities that Purdue in specific, Purdue ASME offers. Um, But what I'm interested in are what are some of, like, the opportunities that the entire ASME organization as a whole offers for students around the nation, um, whether that's awards, scholarships?
2: Uh, Again, another very good uh, question. I appreciate you asking that. So ASME offers 40 scholarships ranging from $1,000 to $13,000. In the past year, uh, ASME awarded over $500,000 in scholarships. And I would encourage everybody and anybody, to look at our website uh, about what the opportunities are there. Uh, the scholarships are open from December 1st through March 1st uh, for, the, uh, for the following academic year. So I would encourage everyone to take a look at those. Uh, a couple that I'll mention off the top of, uh, top of my head, uh, there's the Kenneth Andrew Rowe Scholarship, which provides one graduate student $13,000 to support engineering studies. Ken Rowe was an icon in the architect engineering world. I had the opportunity to meet Ken. Uh, I worked for one of the uh, competitors of Burns and Rowe at the time. Uh, a great, great guy. And Ken's son, Keith Rowe, is now a major part of uh, of ASME. He's former president, uh, like his dad. Um, also, their, their grandfather, Ralph Coates Rowe, was, was part of it. So you can see that there's a trend there, guys that you know, once an engineer, always an engineer. And then how do you give back to, to society? Another scholarship that's great is the Petroleum dish, Division of ASME, which provides one undergraduate student interested in the petroleum industry, a $10,000 scholarship. And as you guys and gals know that over the next few years, as the petroleum industry cha- transitions, there'll be a, a huge, huge demand for engineers and in, in, across a wide range of, uh, of opportunities. There's also a $10,000 scholarship for students showing interest in, in fields related to ASME standards and certification. Uh, another great opportunity because what ASME is noted for and, and kind of what got me involved in it back in when I was in college was standards development and understanding the, the criteria that I had to design my projects to was being developed by, by this organization. When I had the opportunity to join the organization and actually, become part of the development of, uh, of standards. Uh, it gave me a whole new insight into what uh, what we were doing, more opportunities for me to just enrich my my own engineering experience. Uh, the opportunity to, to meet with other uh, subject matter experts and collaborate on the code um, was was op- was optimum. It also another hint. to All of you listening allowed me to build my network. So today, you know, we all take uh, pride in. Different social media uh, applications we have. Uh, I consider myself a millennial. I won't tell you what what century, but I consider myself a millennial. And building that network now that you're in in college is is huge, and it pays off years from now. Um, We also offer two uh, scholarships for graduating high school seniors, Uh, and it's one that the ASME uh, Auxiliary Lucy and Charles uh, W.E. Clark Scholarship it's a $7,000 scholarship for students participating on a FIRST Robotics team. So another part that's on our website, but an, an opportunity to look at. And then also the, there is the ASME Inspire, the Charles W.E. Clark Scholarship for, for $2,000, and those are for students that are pursuing an engineering degree in STEM or in STEM-related uh, studies. Um, the... Uh, The other part that I'll mention in in closing this this question out is that uh, you all should think about applying annually for scholarships. And and there we're working on our way, we were in the middle of a uh, quiet phase of a capital campaign to raise more money for scholarships. Um, I, for one, uh, I despise student debt. So how can we find more opportunities to pay off the student loans and what have you? And there's much more that we'll uh, we'll follow from that. But uh, again, Liam, I thank you for, for asking that question. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's great to hear about
1: the wide array of opportunities that ASME gives to students, whether that's high school students or even just college students. So good to hear.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, anyway. awesome that there's so many scholarships available in place. Um, so for college students, does ASME as a whole also provide opportunities for students to land internships? And if so, um, what do, what do you guys offer to help students in that sense?
2: Well, another great question. The answer, short answer is yes. Uh, as you know, COVID changed the world for all of us. Uh, so prior to COVID in 2019, uh, ASME had 10 interns on the ASME staff. Uh, admittedly, it was the first year we started that program, uh, we were gearing up to do it again in 2020. And then because of COVID, we had to stop. Uh, so we're just now starting to reconstitute that program. Uh, there'll be more to follow. It'll be up on a website. <clears throat> I don't believe that we're going to have the opportunity to do it uh, this particular summer. But my intent is to get back to that shortly. And then also, uh, uh, I've been out there talking to a lot of member companies about what are their opportunities. Could we do some co-branding, some co-marketing for them for, for scholarships? So, uh, If you're interested in an internship, uh, take a look at the ASME uh, uh, website. And if anybody has any specific criteria, my, my email address is up there. Uh, send me a note of what you're thinking about i'd love to have a chat with you and you know, i personally uh, mentor about this year it's about eight students and even though we've been doing it virtually uh, it's still working and it's a valuable part that gives you you all the opportunity to network and what i like about it is i get uh, a whole bunch of neat ideas from from you know the younger group that has not really had the full effect of engineering yet but uh, you know what are you all thinking about uh, again uh, Aggie, it's that that millennial part of what I consider myself. So, Remember, yeah, so I, didn't say what, I didn't say what, I didn't say what century. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a
1: question that I have, cause you mentioned networking a few times. Um, I know as like engineers, we can get caught up in like developing all the technical um, skills that we'll need in industry. But um, what are some tips or advice you have for building a good network as an engineer and, and allowing that to kind of help you throughout your
2: early career and later career. Well, again, what I do, and and I would encourage everybody to do is to to be respectful of that, use common sense. Um, So you meet somebody um, all, all too often, you know, you'll, you'll meet somebody and somebody will say to me, you know, uh, follow up with me when you get a chance, let me know what you're doing. I can't tell you how many times I offer that. And I can count on one hand, the number of people that actually do that. So in today's world, in my mind at least, there's no reason to not drop a quick email back saying I hey, really appreciate it. I enjoyed meeting with you, uh, and this is what your expectations are. Uh, when I get uh, I get quite a lot of emails every day, but that's just me. And my my role is one way or another, I will answer that email within 24 hours. And even if it is to say thank you very much, I got your email. There's nothing I can t- nothing we can do at this time, but keep me t- let's stay in touch. So the that familiarity is the first <clears throat> the first phase, especially if it's a uh, a first time meeting with somebody. And then, <clears throat> if you really want to do something with a company or want to do that, today's world of uh, you know internet access, you can find out, a lot about what that individual or their company is doing, and a little bit of research, and, and then ask the question. You know, everybody that I know that's involved in business today responds to an email. Um, and it's it's one that uh, there's no such thing as being afraid or or, or being uncomfortable with, with reaching out. The worst thing that could happen is somebody says, well, they, we don't have an opportunity at this time. But if you don't reach out, you don't know.
0: Yeah, that's awesome that you're able to have like a personal connection with so many people, especially being with a, like a CEO. It's You don't come across many people who are able to um, interact with people on such a personal level. Um, so kind of like branching off that question, um, aside from like your personal connections and the scholarships and opportunities you offer, what are some other actions and initiatives that ASME is currently taking to improve the organization and have a positive impact on the field of engineering?
2: Well, uh, <clears throat> the the one thing that we've started uh, is our refocus on diversity, equity and inclusion. Um You know, I have uh, my brother is a mechanical engineer. Uh, My son is a mechanical engineer. Uh, So when I look at it in terms of uh, there's a long uh, traditional family tradition in terms of mechanical engineering. But if you notice, I didn't say that my sister or my daughter was a mechanical engineer, they went a different path. Uh, I personally have a, uh, a desire to see more females in engineering education, not only mechanical, uh, but any type of engineering or, or science related uh, education. Uh, so that's one that, uh, that I personally uh, promote anytime I get a chance to. Uh, the, uh, the other parts that uh, <clears throat> I would say, again, to your, to your point about CEOs, the most successful CEOs I've met uh, have one trait. That we're as good as we are because of the people we surround ourselves with. How do you get to meet new people? Uh, whether it's email or whether it's networking opportunities or whether it's doing a podcast with two two brilliant uh, engineers, engineering students, you meet neat people. And as a result of it, if everybody's comfortable, you exchange ideas freely. And it's that collaboration, that exchange that leads to innovation. You know, unlike scientists, whereas we as engineers take what scientists develop and then create something. And oh, by the way, the cynic part of me comes out and says, if it's easy, we go back and do it again just to make it hard. So (laughs) uh, I'm sure you you guys have done that. So
1: so something I kind of hear about is if you could share like one piece of advice to students, especially younger students that are just getting off to start their career, um, what would that advice be?
2: Um, well, it's it's kind of a, a, a multi-part answer. Uh, the first part would be, again, as I mentioned earlier, start building your network now. If you haven't built it, start building it now, uh, and make sure you maintain that. You don't have to talk to everybody in that network, but that network will become a huge, huge resource for you later on in life. Uh, the second part would be focus on what you want to do and make sure that you have fun in doing it. Uh, if you can't have fun, Don't do it Uh, because, again, there there are people out there that say, you know, I want to do the most successful companies that are there. There was always an element of why you wanted to do this. And then there was the economic piece of it. And then, you know, my third part is that I would focus on making sure that your idea or your development project or whatever you're working on has solid technical foundation and support. Don't worry about the money you know i've heard all too often in my career if i only had this i can get this thing done uh most of my most of the time when i came across those situations i would ask how much money do you need and they would say that then i'd ask a series of questions and and i have i have a few favorite questions i'd like to answer they weren't mostly most of the times individuals weren't ready for the the implementation side of it they always were hung up on if i had the money then i could do this well no if you have a solid idea surround yourself with great people Smart money will find smart ideas, and it happens time and time again. that part That's of good. it is is the part that if again Liam, as you said is most most engineers are introverts, so you know they 're both the problem and the solution to a, to to an idea or a concept. But how do you get out of that traditional box and uh, surround yourself with some brilliant people and, and make it work
1: uh, yeah and i and I like that you mentioned really building a strong technical foundation because um, I definitely think even speaking with students who are super entrepreneurial and want to take their idea off the ground, they're always thinking about where they can get that first, um, where they can get money to begin with versus actually building their idea and and finding a base or, or finding uh, that their idea actually works. Um, so that's that's a really good point.
0: Yeah. And aside from the networking skills that you mentioned, uh, specifically for the field of engineering, what are some other important qualities that you think um, a young engineer should have uh, to make them successful?
2: Well, again, I I go back to the basics because when I look at engineering, I look at mechanical engineering, and I look at myself in my career path. uh, I learned the concept called design of experiments uh, back in the 70s. Uh, there's there's basically the fundamentals of, of that. How do you approach a project? How do you, you how do you you know logically re- solve that? Uh, there are steps that that you'll learn as a mechanical engineer. It's your challenge, or I challenge you to take those concepts and build that into your everyday life. And you'll see that time and time again, when you approach a situation, you know you, you you'll start the, the logical sequencing of what do I have to do. And the other part that I, I often uh, uh, talk about with individuals, especially younger, early career engineers, is learn the fine art of listening. Everybody knows you're smart. Everybody knows that you can do this, but you have to listen a little bit deeper to find out what is the person really or what is the team really asking me to do? Uh, and more often than not, that uh, I'll sit back and listen, and I like to speak less. Uh, and then if if I got it wrong, people will tell me. But more importantly, it gives me the ability to understand what the, the group wants, how I can take, in this case, ASME resources and solve a problem for them. And then, typically, it's not for them, it's for us. How do we put the, the team together and how do we do that? One of my idioms that I live by is that if we have a problem, I think it's much better to have 20 eyes looking at it than to have two. And then how do you coordinate them and the other part of, of becoming a, an, an early career engineer or, or through uh, through college <clears throat> you guys know the most difficult thing to do is to get some of your peers to do something when you don't have any leverage you don't have any financial leverage over them in terms of a working relationship you're all volunteers you all have the same demands on, on homework and schooling and i know neither of you do this but you know is it should I go out and have a couple of beers with the guys tonight or should I study? So you are all back studying. So, you know, how do you get that right balance to make it work? So uh, I'm yeah, glad you're and, smiling. Cause and, you understand.
1: <laughs> speaking, speaking of balance, uh, something that I find myself struggling with that you were just talking about is like trying to listen, but also still, still like speak up and still say what you're thinking too, like, how do you find that balance? Because sometimes when I'm just focusing on listening and really trying to understand what's going on, I'll, I'll think to myself and I'll say, or I'll think that I'm not actually um, adding any value to whatever we're working on. So how do you find that balance to listen, but also still add value?
2: Well, <clears throat> that just takes experience. The more people you deal with, the better it gets. Um, you know, there's a, there are times I will admit that somebody starts talking and 10 seconds into the conversation, I kind of assume that I know where it's going to go. That's a mistake. You need to continue to listen to people. And then at the end of that, or at the end of the the dissertation, um, then you make a decision, you know? Yeah. I I understand what you're saying, but that's not what I want to do. Or, you know, there's not something, how do I go ahead? How do I go forward with, uh, with an approach to, 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 resolve that? I don't, did we get enough into that question to definitely something that comes with experience, like you said. So appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And all this, um, all these tips and advice you mentioned is uh, I think really great advice for an engineer to become successful. But something I did want to ask you was it's kind of daunting and discouraging to hear that your future profession may not always be what you have in mind. Um, According to a study conducted by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, Only 27% of students work in the field related to their major. What advice do you have for students battling these thoughts? You know, after putting in so much work to get a a bachelor's in mechanical engineering or um, a master's, it may feel like all of it was for nothing if you work in a different field at the end of the day. What do you have to say uh, for those students?
2: Well, again, part of what's not said in that, that statistic is, are you following your dream? So, and that's the part that why did I jump out of mechanical engineering? Were you following your dream? Were you following a gut feeling? Or <clears throat> more importantly, the, the older you get, or, was I following money? You know, the, uh, I kid around saying that at my advanced age and where I am in my career right now, there's only three things that motivate me. And write these down, okay? Because you might forget them. And the only three things that motivate me in my, my career right now are money, money, and money. Now, I'm trying to be funny here, but. Uh, <laughs> The, the part that <clears throat> when you segue off of you know your passion to become a mechanical engineer, one of the things, I, and I've proven in my career, is that it, it, you have to follow your dream. You have to follow what your desire is. So I started out as a, um, as a mechanical engineer w- working in nuclear power plant design. I went from there to nuclear weapons, and then I went to work for CBS Television. Uh, from CBS Television to CBS Records, CBS Records to Sony, uh, and then on and on and on. But, you know, what was I doing? I was using my basic skill sets that I learned and I was following a passion because I realized that one of the things that I enjoyed a lot and I was getting a lot more uh, requests to do was to be the liaison between the technical teams and the finance teams. And then how do you put the money behind the the, the projects that we're doing? Uh, early on, <clears throat> design optimization. Uh, reverse engineering, that type of stuff to make a better product, to improve the uh, the world conditions that we have today. You know, you guys and gals, as, as young engineers, you've got a challenge. There's a challenge in front of all of us with the sustainable goals from the United Nations. You know, how do how do we ensure clean water? How do we ensure a proper food supply? Um, how do you ensure clean air? Uh, what do we do with uh, climate change? Those are all solutions that you all have to, to solve. And the other part that kind of begs the issue of that statistic. The jobs that most of you all are going to be taking when you get out of school in four years, haven't been created yet. 50% of those jobs haven't been created yet. So you know, what are you doing, you have to follow your passion, follow your dreams, and then figure out, okay, uh, I, I find myself asking two very important questions way too often. Is this something that I want to do? Or is this something that I can do? Now, there's, and again, this is my cynic New Yorker coming out, but you guys will laugh at this. I'm convinced there isn't anything that I can't do. Uh, but you know, what do I want to do? So someplace between those two mile markers, it gives you some some pretty good advice. And if you think about it, uh, the other part too, you, you start to realize quickly, when you ask yourself, is this something that I can do? And the answer is yes. My immediate responses to myself has always been, who can I get to help me? Because the more people I surround myself with, the better the, the results are going to be and the quicker the, the time for solution. It happens every time. And I'm sure you, you guys can figure out, just like when you're getting ready to put these podcasts together and with all those little colors up on the wall. By the way, you need to get a color consultant in terms of the different post-it
0: <laughs> This is actually uh, Marcus's vision board.
2: That's good. That's good. But, you know, those are the two things i don't offer to anybody to think about. Can yeah, I do this? And do I want to do it?
0: That's awesome. That's, a, that's great advice. Um, and like you mentioned, it's always important to, like, chase your dreams and follow your uh, aspirations and things like that. So was becoming an entrepreneur or a CEO something you always had in mind? Or did those goals kind of change throughout your career?
2: Uh, they've changed throughout my career. You know, I I always, I've always enjoyed being part of a team uh, and somehow uh, I always ended up being the leader of the team. Now the leader of the team is not very much different than every other member of the team. It's just that, you know, you have a different job to do. Uh, You've got more coordination. You've got more, uh, collaboration that you have to do, you know, you have to uh, do a lot more listening, uh, as opposed to being, you know, very task oriented to to do this. Uh, if I use the, uh, uh, the race car analogy in terms of, you know, <clears throat> what to do. So if you, if you take a look at a race car, a race cars got probably 15 to 20 different major components that all have to work together for a very short period of time, but they have to be at 100%. How do you do that? One person can't do it. You've got to have a team that's working on the engine. You have to have another team that's working on the electrical system. You have to have another team that's working just on, on the uh, on the, on the propulsion, the uh, the drivetrain. Then you've got another team that's working on the tires. You got another team that's working on the brakes. Every one of those has to be 100. percent The best way to do that is to surround yourself with great people.
1: No, but that. That makes sense. I was even thinking that like yesterday. I was just reflecting upon like how much purdue asme has grown this past year and i just like it's amazing because it only happens from like little achievements from everyone like no one person can do everything so it's good that you highlight that like all the different parts need to work and everyone needs to contribute um for the entire for the entire thing to uh be successful um so i
2: think the the other part too I add to that Liam and it's one that uh, I, I more often talk with the uh, the younger group uh, or new individuals that join the team. Make a decision. I learned a long time ago, and a very wise person said to me, uh, "The even the wrong decision is better than no decision." And if you have some solid background. Uh, some solid basis of what you, why you're making the decision. It's been co- communicated and collaborated ac- across the team. Make the decision and move on. No decision uh, leads to confusion. Confusion leads to complacency. Complacency leads to failure. And every time that happens, you'll see that it's there. So, you know, let me let me try to put some humor into this conversation. So do I go out for pizza and beer tonight or do I just go out for pizza? So if you wait and delay that decision, you lose on both fronts, right? Whereas if you just went out for pizza and beer, that's okay. You might meet somebody else or just went out for beer I meet different people, but I made a decision. So That's
1: uh, a good analogy It wraps up that point good.
2: <laughs> now I'm sure neither of you have done that, but uh, you know, if you're thinking of it. So uh, just send me a slice of pizza. I prefer just plain plain romano style pizza, so.
0: I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, so Um, As the CEO of of ASME today, um, what do you think were some main key turning points in your life that kind of led you to be where you are today and kind of like those decisions that you're talking about? Um,
2: Well, again, in my case, uh, I uh, I had retired and I was looking for something new to do and I wanted to do something on the nonprofit side. Uh, for many, many years, I always worked on the opposite side, being a volunteer, volunteering my time, helping the organization or the cause uh, develop that. And I knew always what my expectations were of somebody that was going to be running the staff function of a, an organization. And I decided, you know, let me try that. And it's been very fulfilling. Uh, the our volunteers are great, having the opportunity to meet with uh, different students, student advisors, the deans of mechanical engineering of all the great engineering schools, uh, several presidents of different schools, and then really working together with a, a wide group across different countries and solving, you know, just a simple problem of, you know, how do we ensure clean water? You know, how do we assume, how do we design and, and build a sustainable uh, food supply? And when you look at some of the stuff coming out of COVID, uh, for me, as, as very many other people, that was the first time I led a team that I nothing was operating. Everything was shut down, uh, you know, through disasters of hurricanes and uh, other situations that we've had to live with. Uh, I've, I've always been fortunate in my career to, to be running large divisions of large corporations that we had something else supporting us so that we knew we had sustainability. This time was completely different. And the reason that uh, ASME came out so great it was the support of uh, the entire ASME staff. It wasn't just me; I did my part, and everybody else did their part, and it worked. And then I, you know, put into it our dedicated volunteers who have done the same thing to give back to the organization, to continue the research that we were doing, continue the collaboration, and really coming up with uh, new and innovative ways to uh, to solve uh, to solve real life uh, problems. You guys in- and yeah. gals are in a great spot, you know. Yeah and you so you glossed
1: over it a little bit right there on um, mentioning like clean water um some of the other, uh, like sustainability some of the other big um challenges that our world faces kind of wrapping up this podcast what are some of the future goals or aspirations in specific that you have for ASMA
2: Well again another great question um so we have a we have a strategy office now in terms of what's there, you know, ASME can't do everything. Uh, we have a lot of great ideas. But uh, when you look at the UN sustainability goals, um, climate change is a major issue for us. Uh, if you look at the, just in multiple divisions, the 30, uh, thirty-four divisions that we have, uh, there's a lot of diversity, and there's a lot of uh, mutual respect. And there's, it, there's even some points where the different divisions don't agree on, on an approach to climate change. So, you know, my challenge as, as the uh, CEO and, and, and leader of the team is to convince everybody to develop a plan that addresses an approach to climate change, knowing that you, we're going to have to have different things. So the thought process there is if each person does their, their individual part of it, how do we then do what ASME has done very well for 142 years, is be the third party neutral convener. Um, we need to come up with a solution for power so what as we get away from fossil fuels is you know what's clean energy is it wind is it solar is it uh, small nuclear modular reactors i personally think yes on all three of those so how do we afford those forums uh to get better at doing that type of uh, that type of transition um, and then the other part too is uh, <clears throat> is a sustainable food chain if you look at the amount of time that mechanical engineers you know, are involved with you know, development of food and food products, agricultural products. Um, one of my favorites is the, uh, the ability to use AI, and robotics to to drive these huge harvesting machines, uh, virtually from a control console, instead of having somebody out in the field. Um, you know, the, uh, the efficiency, if, if everything runs the same, uh, in theory, that's how you get the maximum efficiency into something. Now, uh, that's in that perfect anal retentive world that I live in every day, you know, these machines are doing everything the right way. Every now and then you have to stop them to give them a little bit of uh, fuel, you know, check the air pressure, blah, 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 but they continue to run. And then how do we do that to, to maximize the effect of pushing uh, that that food chain back to everybody around the world. And then you know, the other the other part that I look at is space and space exploration. Uh, what happens there? Uh, how quickly is that going to benefit us? Uh, if you look at a lot of the products that have come out of the space design or what's, a, what's actually happening up in the International Space Station in terms of innovation, uh, that's huge. Uh, how do we then further develop that? And then bring that back home and make sure that we've got a, uh, a more sustainable environment to live in. Yeah,
1: and you mentioned efficiency, especially machine efficiency. Um, that's something that I was kind of, I just started learning about, um, I'm reading this book actually all about fossil fuels and kind of the energy problem that our world faces. Um, and one of the things that I never realized is just how inefficient a lot of the energy processes we currently have are, where we only get a small percentage of actual electricity or energy out of whatever fuel source we're using. Um, so I think that's definitely one of the, the big issues that engineers especially in my generation and our generation have to uh work to improve upon.
0: Yeah, and it's great that you guys are tackling issues like these. It sounds like almost nowadays no one really talks about these type of issues um and given the severity of the the situation like global warming, sustainable energy, things like that. Um I'm excited to see where ASME is going to take uh this and how it develops in the future.
2: It is. And you know what? We're relying on you guys and gals to help us. So the you know <clears throat> Think about getting ready to, to, to challenge the world in, in some new, innovative ways, and uh, you know, put the teams together to make it work. You know, Purdue's got a long-standing, great reputation of doing that. Um, one of my uh, one of my first uh, supervisors at Sony Corporation uh, was a PhD from Purdue, a brilliant, brilliant guy, and uh, he uh, <clears throat> spoke highly of the school. Uh, I, I think you guys have a good football program there to, you know, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, all right. <laughs> you know that that part of it, I kid around because we're, we've all been watching uh, different sports, but you know the the sports part of the school gives the school the notoriety, and then it's the programs that you all are in that I believe, time and time again, that makes the big difference. So,
0: yeah. Well, Tom, it was awesome having you on today's episode. It was. Really enjoyable to hear you talk to us and we really thank you for it. Um, it was really insightful to hear about all your experience with ASME and the advice you had for all the students. Um, so thanks again for coming on today with us.
2: Well, you're welcome. And stay in touch uh, as we start to, to travel around. As I mentioned to, to, to Liam and Aggie, you guys last time we chatted, um, I, I plan to stop by the school sometime later this year and uh, I really much look forward to it. I very much appreciate you guys promoting ASME on campus. And whatever I can do to help you all, just reach out and we'll do it.
1: Of course. um, For our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you really enjoyed our talk with National CEO of ASME, Tom Costabile, As much as we did, um, feel free to check out the timestamps for the various topics we covered today. um, And also check out my own podcast, the Expedition Success Podcast. Um, If you have any feedback, guest requests comments or any other inquiries please contact us at asme.podcast at gmail.com or you can fill out the google form link below as always we want to connect with you um, so check out our linkedin links in the description and we hope you'll join us on the next episode thanks a lot